0: Are we leveraging technology to better collaborate? You're listening to Radically
1: Agile, powered by Catalent. Tune in to hear thought leaders, operators, and visionaries share their expertise, lessons learned, and best practices for how to prepare for the rapidly changing world of work. Now, let's get Radically Agile. Today, I'm joined by Cheryl Cram. Cheryl is the founder of Next Mapping and the CEO of parent company Synthesis at Work, Inc. Tell us, our audience, a little bit more about yourself.
0: So, um, thank you. I'm so happy to be with you on on this podcast. It's awesome. Um, I am a future of work expert. I call myself a future of work expert slash change leadership expert because we're not about the why of the future or just giving futurist trends. Um, my organization's about the how. So I, my, I like to say that behind every why there's a how and next mapping is the how. So um, I am the author of seven books. My most recent book is called next mapping, anticipate, navigate, and create the future of work, which is coming out in February of 2019. I'm also the author of the art of change, leadership, driving transformation in a fast paced world and other books on leadership. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. That's, well, you don't need to hear the rest. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, to tell us a little bit more uh, about Next Mapping and the work that the organization is doing. What? what why did you start the, the organization and what's, what's the mission?
0: Yeah, Next Mapping was actually a culmination of the work that I've been doing for the last two decades on leadership, uh, research, generations work, uh, helping businesses be future ready and have competitive advantage. When we worked with the branding company around rebranding, which was about two years ago, they interviewed our clients and um, uh, our peers and colleagues and found that Next Mapping encapsulated everything that we've been doing. And so, Next Mapping as a process is a six step proprietary process that can be used either for individuals, such as entrepreneurs. Or can be used for leaders, teams, and organizations to help them create the future of work and manage disruptions, anticipate disruptions, be ahead of the competition by mm. using the next mapping process. Mm.
1: I, I'm I think this is a, a key part of, of the process or at least one of the principles that you talk about informing the process. But I've been struck in learning more about you, Cheryl, that uh you have kind of a different take on the future of work. So 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 much of what we hear when people are discussing the future of work is about automation and robots and all of our jobs are going to be eliminated and taken by these killer robots. You have an interesting take that that really emphasizes that the future of work puts humans first ahead of technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that.
0: Well, I've done a lot of work with IT firms, technology firms over the years and in my assessment there's been a focus for the last i would say 10 years on you know IT IT needs to lead every company needs to be a technology firm which is which all true However, what it's created is a lot of uh, human fallout, burnout, stress, overwhelm, Mm. uh, because humans are not being factored at the front end of technology innovation. And that's starting to switch now in the last few years where organizations are suffering from losing highly talented people. They're suffering from retaining talented people. They're suffering from burnout, stress, and overwhelm. And so, you know, what I have found is if we focus on the human first, the person, whether it's the customer or whether it's the employee, and then use the technology to build better solutions for those humans, then we really truly are creating the future of work. I have a white paper on my website called, If Robots Are the Future, robots are the future of Work, What's Next for Humans?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and it's exactly what you just said. It, it's really that we're already aware of the speed of robotics, AI, automation, cloud, We're all living that, but it's really about, are we leveraging technology to better collaborate, to better innovate, to better knowledge transfer, to better knowledge share, to help with succession planning? All those human things that people are concerned with on a day-to-day basis.
1: Got it. And and when you're looking out at the world, the companies um, who maybe are taking this advice already Mm -hmm. and doing this well... What, what kinds of examples do you see out there of, of companies actually putting humans first? Well,
0: that's a great question, right? Because it's, it's like, where, where are we seeing this? I mean, I yeah. think, first of all, you know what's coming to my mind is companies that haven't done a good job of that mm-hmm. and are now having to do a good job of that. Mm-hmm. So a company that comes to mind is Uber. Uh, mm-hmm. Uber is a great example, technology solution that actually was focused on humans from the customer standpoint. So in other words, how do we create an amplified rideshare service that customers will love? Well, they've done that. Most customers are happy with Uber. On the employee side, they failed miserably. Their leadership, you know, misconduct. uh, There was no um, structure strategy on the inside for employees that was about human first. Hmm. Now that's starting to shift and that's coming around. I would say a company that is doing a good job of human first is Uber's competitor Lyft. Mm-hmm. Lyft is is really a company that's focused on core values around customers and employees, uh, treating people with respect, uh, using the technology to leverage, you know, giving back. So those are two that come to mind uh, with your with your question.
1: Yeah, those are those yeah. are good examples. Um, you know, this is, this podcast is called radically agile, so I think I, it's incumbent that I, that I ask you a little bit about your own thoughts on organizational agility. Let me start with how do you even, how do you think about the term agile workforce? What is, what does that phrase mean to you?
0: Yeah, you know, I, I think it's a great question because there's so many interpretations of what that does mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, of what, what is agile. In my opinion, agile is the perfect integration of human and technology uh, that allows organizations to pivot, flex, and change rapidly. Mm-hmm. So to me, Agile means, and I love the name of your podcast because it is really radical in that if humans aren't Agile, it doesn't matter how good our technology is. So for me, Agile includes the mindset of leaders. It includes the strategies. It includes how are we leveraging the technology that we have? Do we have the right technology to do what we mm-hmm. need to do in our organization? So that my definition of Agile is sort of an integration of human and technology and leveraging it to its utmost so that we can deliver on objectives in a rapid way
1: that's a pretty that's a pretty concise definition I think it's um, it's certainly consistent with with how uh, we think of the world here um, here at, at Catalan and that the, the pressure given a lot of the disruptive forces that surround companies today the pressure on them to move faster to think differently about technology tools to mm-hmm. To integrate the human and the technology, I think it's um, it's pretty intense pressure. Mm-hmm. So, so certainly agree. Uh, you mentioned something in your defini- definition that I think is interesting. You mentioned that it requires a, a different kind of leadership or a shift in how uh, the folks maybe at the top of the organization are or thinking or managing or running the organization. Can you share a little bit more about what's required of, of leaders in this this radically agile world that, uh, that we're talking about?
0: I think the number one skill is that flexible mindset. And in my experience, uh, you know there, there are a lot of leaders who've built tremendous success with from where they've been and where they are now. And it's very difficult to change your mind when things are already going well or when you have a history of success. So, what I feel needs to happen is leaders need to be looking at it less about the win of yourself as a leader and more about the win for the client, the employee, the company overall. So, I have a model that I share with my clients. It's a, a transformational leadership mindset model, which helps them see that you can be successful uh, as an individual leader or as a Uh, you know, building on the success of the past, but to really be competitive, to really be ahead of the curve, to really be disrupting your market before you're disrupted, you need to have that mindset that says, I might not have all the answers, or I have to go to my stakeholders, or I have to leverage the knowledge of every level within the organization in order for us to decide the next strategic direction. So it's more of a collaborative, shared leadership mentality that needs to happen in order to create the future of work, but also to lead us to that innovation culture, which is part of agile.
1: Mm. We
0: want people to be innovative. They've got to be thinking in new and different ways. And you've got to have a culture where it's okay to fail in order to innovate. Mm. And I think a lot of leaders are struggling with that right now, because depending on the industry, if failing means the end of the business, or if failing means life or death, well, obviously then that's not a culture that can be integrated. But what what my research has found is that more and more generational influence from the millennials and the Gen Zs is saying, you know, we want to work for organizations where we actually have a say in strategic direction, or we get to have input on what we think are great ideas without being told that that can't be done, or without being told that we tried that before. Mm-hmm. So I think leadership has to have that, you know, if we're going to use the word radical, yeah. radical shift in mindset around what does it mean to crowdsource our employees or our customers in order to make better decisions? The, the days of a, a single leadership or an executive team making decisions for the company is actually quite dangerous mm. because we're making those decisions without having all of the data from the stakeholders, which include our clients and our, our
1: employees. So that that type of um, leadership that you just described and the and the the mind shift that you mentioned, that's pretty different than how most organizations are run today. I mean, you and I both know yeah. that. That's obvious. Yes. But yeah. so so let's say that we're we're in an organization where you know what we have one of those leaders you describe and um they're operating in the ways that uh, that you just articulated really well how do they how do those leaders get an organization around them to change what is what is change management like in this in this type of uh, future we're talking about,
0: mm-hmm. so I um, by by choice and by design I use the words change leadership versus change management, uh, and the reason for that is change management is a reactive strategy that's been used for decades, right? And and in fact, people become change weary. And when they hear change management, it's almost like they roll their eyes because they're literally living change on a regular basis. Change leadership is where you have a person like you described. They're, They're an influencer within the organization who's demonstrating shared leadership. They're demonstrating collaboration. They're demonstrating use and leverage of technology to gain insights and ideas from customers, employees, and they're doing all those things. And by doing that, they are then influencing others that there is a different way to get to where we're going. Mm-hmm. Um, great example of that is a client of mine where you know cl- the, the, the organization has been very focused on legacy technology. This person really felt that they needed to move to cloud-based collaborative solutions. Uh, this person was on the executive team, but one of eight. And so what she did was go around and have a series of one-on-one meetings with each of those senior leaders and talk to them from their personality style, talk to them by showing them graphs, charts, Um, research on what would happen if they don't switch over to this and what will happen if they do. So very logical explanation of here's how the change could impact the future of our business. And by doing that, what she did was created, you know, three or four others who could see the vision, could see that this is where they needed to go and basically leverage that change leadership in the future. What we need is advocates who are change leaders. We need to identify those in the organization and ideally, we'd identify them within each department so that we're mm-hmm. breaking down silos and, and increasing that cross-departmental innovation capacity.
1: So important, that, that breaking down the silos, so important to drive the kind of innovation that, uh, that you're alluding to. The the Let's, again, in this world that we've created, we've got the leaders with the right mindset. They're... Mm-hmm. Um, They're establishing the right kind of change leadership. Let's look around at the organization structures around them. So um, in the workplace of of these leaders driving this kind of leadership change, what what are the structures in that kind of organization? Like what does the rest of the company look like? And maybe how does that differ from the past?
0: Mm -hmm. That's a great question. So, uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, let's go department by department, if we will, So, and starting with HR. Uh, in the past, HR was very much an administrative function. You administered payroll, you administered vacation, you administer, and where we're looking in the future is HR being far more strategic. When we look at the structure of HR, I see organizations beginning to move, but I do see in the next five to ten years, this will be very prevalent, is that HR will not be uh, you know, a, a data-driven Uh, Part of or not data task driven uh, job. It will be a data driven job where dashboards and analytics are going to show you know what customers want, what employees want, and the the day of the performance review is going to be gone. The old Mm -hmm. you know the the annual performance review and a new structure will be real time uh, performance evaluation that allows people to grow and learn daily. And when they're given their real time feedback uh, through the technology, but also through You know, advanced coaching, they're able to adjust their performance immediately and therefore impact the business immediately. So that's just one example of a structure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, For example, with legal and compliance, they've always been siloed from the organization and they've always been the last one to know when things happen. Well, in an innovation culture, legal and compliance are on those project teams for innovation so that they can actually bring up those uh, uh, possible roadblocks in advance, not after the fact but in advance so that they're factored into the innovation cycle and discussion. Mm -hmm. Those are just two examples. I mean, I could probably go on about that at length, but those are two examples that come to mind with the question.
1: Yeah. I think those are two great examples because the reality is if you can't, if if HR is not invested in the right kinds of ways in the innovation or change ongoing around them, then it's very hard to scale the innovation or change because and legal is very similar. So I think those are two two really good examples of structures that need to change along with some of these other things we're talking about. Let's go back to, to technology. Um, so I've been clear in this conversation that technology, the way you think about it, is is second behind the humans. Mm-hmm. But it's still an important tool that's going to facilitate or enable this innovative and collaborative workplace Tell us more in your, in your vision, how, how can the right technology enable the workplace we're talking about right now?
0: Yeah, no. And so for me, it's people first, technology second, but they're critical to work together. And, mm-hmm. that, and that's the key. So uh, the technology that we have now is allowing us to do things that we couldn't do Five years ago, you know, I'm thinking of, of uh, you know, technologies like Salesforce and other technologies, cloud-based solutions, uh, Yammer and all these other solutions that allow us to uh, work together quicker, more effectively. You think of Zoom. We're doing sure. this podcast on Zoom. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, but my point with the human first, technology second is really let's not get so caught up in the sexiness of the technology because as soon as we do that, we override why are we leveraging this technology in the first place. Mm-hmm. And that's my passion is, is let as long as humans are at the forefront of our technology innovation, then we're headed for a very abundant future, both business-wise and as individuals. And so that's my passionate point. At the same time, I did a previous podcast yesterday and I talked about if if you're listening to this podcast and you're not leveraging the technology or you're not using technology solutions, then you're missing an opportunity to build the very culture that we're talking about. Because millennials, Gen Zs, Gen X, uh, some Zoomers, we all want to get our work done faster, more effectively. We welcome robotics and automation to take on those tasks that we hate doing anyway Mm-hmm. And where we need to spend our energy is how do we leverage the experience, the customer experience, the employee experience? How do we do more meaningful work, work that really jazzes us versus that repetitive stuff that technology can take care of? So that's really where I'm coming from. Yeah.
1: yeah it's a pretty tall task. If you, so, I mean, I guess in a lot of ways, but if I just think about one of the points you made was, um, you know, thinking about the user experience, right? So designing yeah. technology around the user experience, mm-hmm. if I, I think about some really large organizations right now. I, I believe it's something like five different generations are in the workplace. That's right. <laughs> and and so imagine. I'm glad it's not my job to figure out what. How do you design technology or user experience that that can uh, satisfy or meet the needs of such a wide array of people in the workforce? I, I don't know if there's a question in there, more just a, a, an observation, um, just given the, the range of folks who, who are out there working right now.
0: Right. So the, the thing about shared leadership and and getting input, it doesn't mean necessarily that the majority wins. It's it's it's, it's really about gathering the data
1: mm-hmm. and
0: what is the data pointing to. So if I'm dealing with five different generations, I'm dealing with traditionalists, Zoomers, Gen X, uh, Millennials, Gen, Millennials are also known as Gen Y, the Gen Zs. It, it's at the, at the core, what we all have in common is we're all human, right? So really what we're talking about I is so. <laughs> what we're, what we're talking about here is matching up perspectives. So as a user experience, as long as the, the outcome of that technology is going to make my job easier And it's going to make my life easier and it's going to help me do my job more effectively. It doesn't really matter what age group I fall in. Mm -hmm. I think the bigger question is, what is the change leadership that happens once a new technology and user experience has been designed? Because in my experience, a lot of organizations introduce new technology But they do not take the time to sit down with people and say, this is how this is going to affect you and your job. This is how you can leverage the technology for what you do. Okay, tell me the day in the life of your job. Okay, here's how the technology can help you leverage what you're doing. There's not enough investment in that activity as there is in just rolling out the new technology. That's been my experience.
1: Got it. It's helpful. so i I think we talked about this when when we discussed setting you up uh, with with this conversation, but you know part of what we try to do here with our our podcast is we try to give our audience some pretty practical tips, some takeaways. Most of the folks who are listening in are are operators at businesses who are dealing with a lot of the issues that you're an expert on, Cheryl. And so, in that spirit of trying to identify some you know, practical tips, some next steps people can take once this conversation ends, what do you, what do you think are, are some of the, the key success factors uh, to, for building future-ready teams? So, people who are at organizations wrestling with the kinds of issues you've just described, what should, what should they be thinking about right now?
0: Well, I think right now um, at the base level is having a sense of where we are now. So where's the organization right now? And, and having a really honest, if, if you're not already doing employee surveys or having your customer surveys um, or you've done recent ones, re-looking at that data through fresh eyes, which is what is this telling us about where we are and what needs to change and from that, you, you clearly can identify what needs to change and prioritize. So, for example, um, in the next mapping process, the first step that, that is involved is the discover process, which is exactly that. We, we look at where are you now, uh, what are, what, what's working, what's not working, what are the opportunities. We call it the wow process instead of a SWOT analysis because we find the SWOT gets, you, you can get mired in, uh, you know, the, the threats and stuff. You can get mired in that stuff. So we focus on what's working, what are the opportunities, what's next. So I I think to your question, because we've only got a certain amount of time, I would start with right now. If you haven't, if they listeners haven't already done this, where are we now, and what are we? What's the data we already have that tells us where we need to go? So, for because a lot of times people know where they are, but they're not taking action on the data. So, for example, right now an organization could be dealing with uh, losing a great number of their talented employees. Well, to me, that's an urgent opportunity for what can we do next around the fact that we're not retaining our top talent. That might be uh, investing in leadership development skills for the leaders because typically research finds that people don't leave their jobs, they leave their leaders. So first identifying what are the the obvious and then what are the strategies we can take to solve those obvious uh things that we've got going on right now. And every organization will be different, right? It might right. be that they might discover that uh they're not their sales are tanking and their their immediate priority is we've got to build our sales ability. So it's a big question for a podcast. No, no, I know. Next, yeah.
1: Well maybe we'll have to have you back. That's a good yeah. reason to uh to get together. <laughs> but I did I do think you gave us a few a few specific tips uh, for us all to take away. And, um, I've certainly enjoyed this conversation. I've learned a lot, Cheryl. uh, I hope you've enjoyed it as well. Yeah, it's been great. Great. Well, Cheryl Cran from Next Mapping, thought leader uh, on the future of work. We appreciate having you as part of the Radically Agile podcast. Thanks very much. Thank
0: you. Thank
1: you. You've been listening to Radically Agile, powered by Catalan, the go-to podcast for interpreting the dramatic changes underway in the world of work. Please visit agileworkforce.com or email us at radical at gocatalan.com to join the conversation.